Hey, it's the Weather Channel Podcast. All of us are cooped up at home. We're working from home, and we figured what better to do than maybe just do a little podcast, see where it goes. We're going to talk about some weather. We're going to talk about working from home, all that kind of fun stuff. And um, I'm joined by my favorite person to podcast with, Linda Lamb. What's going on, Linda? Hey, Ari. Uh, not too much. You know, it's uh, been really pretty busy, even uh, with uh, not crazy weather, but enough weather to always keep us busy. So, uh, yeah, we've had our active weather. We've had kind of our quiet weather. But, you know, our lives are just kind of a lot different right now than they were recently. And by the way, Linda and I are both meteorologists uh, here at the Weather Channel. I work on air. Linda writes articles. And so we're kind of mixing that up together and taking the best of both worlds here. With this whole podcast, we're still trying to figure out kind of exactly what it's going to be, right? We're testing out a couple of things. And let, let me just let you guys know, we uh, we did do some surveys a little bit ago. We did some pretty significant surveying, basically asking people, what do you want to hear in a podcast? And right now what I'm going through is uh, some of the answers that we received. Okay, so I'm going to list the top five things that people wanted to hear in the podcast. Number five, business and weather. What do you think, Linda? You in? Yeah. No, I think that there is some interest there. I mean, the weather can impact all sorts of different industries, which, I mean, even can impact your wallet. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that that's at least on the list. Okay. Number four. This one is actually my favorite, storm survivor stories. Mm, Those are great because then you get actual people stories. You can really humanize it instead of uh, just talking about you know, the meteorological facts, which, you know, we we like to, you know, go into, but there's something about hearing someone's actual account, right? I totally agree. I mean, I've got a bunch of friends that were directly impacted by the April 27th, 2011 tornadoes in Huntsville Mm. when I lived there. So I could think of a few people that we could totally bring on. And it's actually not too far of a drive from Atlanta. So maybe we could even get them in person. All right. Number three, climate change investigative reporting, which we actually do a lot of. And and Kate Parker has her own podcast that's literally just completely devoted to that topic. It's called Warming Signs with Kate Parker, and it's a really yeah, that's good a podcast. great one. Lots of yeah. great information in there. Absolutely, and she's very passionate about it, so it's really good stuff. So she's got that covered. We'll get the other four, okay? So <laughs> okay, number two, history and weather. What do you think? Yeah, I I like that one a lot. I mean, I think <laughs> for like, a lot yeah. of us Mets. Uh, we, there past some significant past weather events is why we got into this field to begin with. And I think sometimes if you can bring even a current event and compare it to something that people might remember from the past, it can kind of help give people the flavor for what to expect. So I think that history and weather, that's, I think that's very important. And, uh, I think there's a lot to talk about there. I'd agree. Now here's the number one topic that a lot of people wanted Mm. to talk about that I got to tell you, I'm not a big fan of myself. Long, <laughs> long-term forecasting, okay? What are your thoughts on long-term forecasting? I'm down with mid-range forecasting, but we start to get into this long-term stuff. And, you know, as we saw this last winter, there are a lot of high-profile people that were making a lot of predictions about, <laughs> oh, it could be a big Northeast snowstorm year. And, and then not yeah. so much. Not yeah, so much. like I'm not surprised people like that because everyone's always curious as to what's coming next. And you, you kind of maybe it's for just to be prepared or just curiosity. But I agree with you. Like it's it gets kind of uh, tricky as far as actually forecasting those events. Um, when I was at the AMS conference in January, uh, there were some interesting presentations on that. And uh, there's still a lot of unknowns, even in mid-range and in long-range forecasting. But we continue to make improvements. 
but I think it always has to have that caveat that we're there, there's still a uncertain it's some great uncertainty so I think it's fine to talk about those as long as you kind of cover it with what we, what we know more of versus what are the uncertain factors does that yeah. make sense no I totally agree and I think today let's just jump around a little bit and see see if people are are into it right I've been listening to a lot of podcasts since I've been cooped up in the house how about you Oh, I'm, well, yeah, I mean, to a degree, what with what my kids allow me to, you know, that's always the uh, tricky part there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see, your kids are old enough to have like serious opinions. I've got a two and a half year old and I've got like a negative couple of days old, hopefully child. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which is so exciting. It is. Yeah, it's going to be another girl. So I'll have two daughters. And yeah, Grace is like 40 weeks pregnant right now. Wow. And the baby's coming any day. So we're recording this on April Fool's Day. It's possible that I I could already have another kid and all get the big <laughs> April Fool's joke. I don't know. <laughs> that would but, be quite the joke. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been very different, Linda. Like working from home, I got to tell you, I enjoy it a lot more because there's no commute. I mean, I do miss the studio quite a bit because the lighting's a lot better there than in my little fourth bedroom, which is like my only hideout in the house now. Now that I'm about to have two kids. But yeah, no, I mean my commute stinks. It's like it, it can be like ninety minutes each way. And yeah, just, your, your I, I've, I've, I had no idea, Linda, how much my life would improve without that commute. Like I'm, I'm enjoying my life a lot more right now. I got to tell you. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get that. That's why I moved actually almost two years ago because the commute was too much and it really drains you. So having that extra time and just that energy that you don't even realize you spend by having to take that long commute, it does make a difference. So that is definitely one plus side. But what about yeah, how, I how are things going? All the, I was gonna Go say ahead. I just miss seeing all the friendly faces, you know, around work, you know, and you know, just that you know friendly banter that you have. But yeah, and it's really challenging, you know, uh, trying to balance working and you know if you have children, like one of my sons, he does online learning, so trying to make sure he gets his work done is is really hard. So yeah, that's definitely a huge challenge. How's how's your marriage going right now? Because apparently, oh. you know, everybody's saying that everybody's going to get divorced in a couple months because we're getting cooped <laughs> up together. I definitely could see that. My husband, he works from home all the time. So he's now with myself and my yeah, he's a professional. So he he has no trouble being at home. But his problem is now that myself and my son are home all the time. So uh, he doesn't get that quietness, that you know, break from you know everything else, which uh, that's, uh, that is something to adjust. So it's definitely been uh, not uh, all roses over here. Hey, I know all about that. Okay. So my girlfriend, Grace, she's a firefighter. And so normally she would work a 24 hour shift every three days. Now, of course, once she got to a certain point of pregnancy, she had to start working like a nine to five, like doing light duty. Right. So she's just been in the house. We're working the same shift. And we've had to go through that change of, oh, I don't have that full day to myself anymore. And she doesn't have any time alone at the house anymore. And we're just around each other all the time. So it's a shift. I mean, Mm -hmm. luckily, we enjoy each other's company to a pretty reasonable degree compared to other relationships I've been in. But (laughs) yeah, it is definitely uh, an adjustment for sure. Okay, let's pop into the weather a little bit. Is that cool with you, Linda, if we we steer it this way? Any more to say? Yeah, let's do it. All right. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) That was it on our working from home situation. Okay, so we've got this really weird situation going on right now where there's a a big, beautiful area of low pressure. It's sitting right off the east coast of the United States. If you look at any satellite image, 
And this is the part that stinks about podcasts is you can't, I, I can't give you like the, the, the view of it right now, but it's a beautiful storm. It's got a big it counterclockwise it really spin. Is. It's got the, it's got the big comma cloud that goes like all the way down through the Gulf of Mexico. It's touching Mexico. And there is a chance, even though the storm's going to stay pretty well off the East coast and it's not going to be like a major high impact storm that it could become a subtropical storm. Ooh, that's a fun word. Let's explain what that means. It is. Yeah. So, I mean, we see these and in the last year in particular, we saw quite a few subtropical systems, but they're kind of like a hybrid between, you know, your average everyday low and uh, more of a tropical system, like a tropical storm or a hurricane. So it has some characteristics of both. Uh, and it's they're they're interesting storms. Uh, they can be beautiful. They they tend to be larger than a typical hurricane. Um and so, I mean, and it's not unheard of to see them in April either. So basically subtropical means kind of tropical, right? Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. That's how I like to describe it. So yeah, subtropical storm, it basically has some characteristics of a tropical storm and some characteristics of a regular storm. A regular storm would be called like your typical kind of mid-latitude cyclone. Um, mm -hmm. And generally, think about it like this, like with tropical storms, they're very compact and the wind is super strong, but it's all really close to the center of the storm. With a regular storm, think of something like a big old nor'easter that's happening in the winter or something like that. Think about how big those storms exactly. are. You know, the center of it can be way off the coast and you're still getting strong wind pretty far away from it, but it's, you know, not not quite hurricane force, not like sustained over 70 or 80, usually at least. Um, I guess rare cases, we could probably have that briefly, but... Yeah, regular storm is big, tropical storm is small, tropical storm has a warm core, you know, all the way from the top of the storm down to the bottom. A regular storm would get a little bit colder as you get toward the top. And there are a lot of these factors. So basically all you really need to know is that if 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 the hurricane center designates a storm as subtropical, they're basically saying this thing's got some tropical characteristics and then it also allows them to name it and put put out uh what do you call them? Like advisories. Yes, that's the word. Yeah, and I and sometimes those subtropical systems can even then become just fully tropical systems too. We've seen that a number of times where if you have a subtropical storm, it then becomes tropical storm. But like you mentioned, one of the biggest things is the name. It would get a name designation, and in this case, the first name is Arthur. So, will we have Arthur in April? I'm remains to be seen. How often does this kind of stuff happen in April, though? Really. So obviously not that often because hurricane season typically begins June 1st, but we see one maybe like once every decade or so. Uh, the last one actually wasn't all that long ago. We saw a subtropical storm Arlene in 2017. So that was, uh, or actually that, I think that was just a fully tropical, that was just tropical storm Arlene. Now that I think about it, that was tropical storm Arlene in 2017. And it was one of those that meandered around. Um, and then we saw before that, I believe it was Anna, um, in the early two thousands, that was another tropical storm that did a loop. Um, I specifically remember that one, Linda, 2003, really? I was graduating yeah. high school and all I could think about as I was walking down, you know, getting my diploma was, wow, there's a tropical system in April. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. That's, see, that's what's great about it was when you can tie it to an event and remember, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm totally lying. I'm making yes, that up. But I, yes, that was the year that I graduated. Because you graduate in April, so that was a good April Fool's joke. Oh, well done. We are actually recording this on, on April Fool's Day. Yes, I forgot about that. <laughs> okay, so that whole system, but as far as the impacts of the Northeast, 
you know, a nor'easter, you know, if it's going to be like a really bad system where you're going to have really bad high tides above normal and get some serious coastal flooding and, you know, really heavy snow or really heavy rain or whatever it is, along with the big time wind, it's got to be closer to the coast. I mean, in, in this case, it's going right. to be far enough off the coast that you'll know it's there. It's going to be a nuisance storm. You're going to have wind, some higher tides than usual for a couple of days, but not that serious coastal flooding. Do you think that's characterizing it right? I think that is. Um, I will say Bermuda, however, could see more impacts uh, from it as we head towards this weekend into early next week. But for the end of this week, we'll see, as you mentioned, more of the minor impacts. Um, nothing too crazy like your, you know, really intense nor'easters, which is good news. We don't, we don't necessarily need a huge amount of uh, beach erosion or coastal flooding. So that that is a positive there. But one of the interesting things about the reason why we're even seeing this system become close to the northeast is we've had a little bit of a change in the upper level pattern that we didn't see this winter. We had all that. We had a lack of blocking this winter, which kind of limited the the snow. Anyone in the northeast, uh, particularly the big cities, will tell you that there was barely any snow this winter, which was kind uh, kind of crazy. I believe there are some places like Philadelphia and D.C. didn't even pick up a whole inch of snowfall. So uh, without that blocking pattern, we didn't see these storms come close to the northeast and linger there, adding to snow totals. But we've had that change in the upper level pattern this week, which is allowing the atmosphere to get a little bit more stuck. So that system's going to end up kind of coming back towards the northeast coast. So kind of unfortunate it happened in April, but still interesting system. It's too little too late. It's too it little oh, too late. We're sure. not we're not going to get any 100%. big northeast snowstorms this year. I I feel very confident saying that uh we're definitely at the point in the year where it's 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 a little bit too late for that. Yeah, that's that's um, not going to happen. I know a lot of people that live in the northeast that they they really want snow. I mean, a lot of people up there they they live for those snowstorms, you know. You know how every meteorologist kind of has their you know, their little niche, their little area yes. of meteorology that they like a lot. You know, I mean, what's yours? Mine, mine is severe weather. Um, mine is actually Northeast snowstorms. I grew up just outside of Boston. So Get out of here. Those, those big snowstorms were what really drove me to find my passion for weather. So uh, I love those. I mean, and granted, I don't live there currently, but when they really, those really big ones that, you know, drop a foot or more of snow with the wind. I mean, those are just... Those are awesome systems. Um, however, I will say, after living there for a long time, the s- endless snow into the spring is too much for me. I don't miss that at all. And the endless cold, I, I really much prefer Atlanta's warmer weather um, and more sunshine in the, generally speaking. But yeah, those Northeast snowstorms, like those are just, they're awesome, right? Especially if you're a kid hoping for a snow day. When you've experienced enough of them, though, you're you're completely right. Because, I mean, I grew up in Rhode Island. I've had my fair share of snowstorms up there. And mm-hmm. then I moved to Wisconsin when I was in eighth grade. So I lived the second half of my childhood there. And, like, yeah, big-time snowstorms there. I remember burrowing these huge tunnels, like, all the way through my front yard from some of the snowstorms. <laughs> I think there was a big one in 96 in Wisconsin. The wow. one in 93, like, everybody was affected by that. And surely Rhode Island was part of that, too. I, I'm pretty sure I remember that storm. But, yeah, I'm not I'm not leaving the south anytime soon. I can deal with a couple weeks of pollen. No big deal. Yes. You know, yes. 90, humid. I'm fine with that. No problem. No Same problem at here. All. I do um, not complain about yeah, the heat. <laughs> You don't. I mean, you grew up in the Northeast and you can definitely tell this when you listen to Linda because she hides her accent very well until a word comes (laughs) up like currently. 
It becomes yeah. cu- currently or hurricane, <laughs> hurricane. It, she yeah. just sprinkles in the Northeast accent. That's true. That's true. Sometimes you just can't <laughs> get right. away from it. Yeah, you can't. So what what's on the long what's on the long term docket as far as forecasting go? Let, and by long term, let's let's stick to midterm for now. We'll, we'll go like next week. Okay, what's on the docket for next week forecast wise? I did see there's a storm system that'll be in the middle of the country and during the early part of the week. How does you know? I haven't really dug in too deeply on it, but it looks like there could be some severe weather. Yeah, there could be, but the uh, the models um, recently have kind of. Uh, gotten a little bit more divergent. So it's uh, I'm not exactly sure how it's going to pan out. So next week looks really interesting. Um, but for sure, it looks like we're going to at least start the week with widespread warmth, which for areas east of the Rockies, but that system in the West, uh, depending on how it moves out, there are some models that suggest it might linger in the Southwest a little bit longer. So depending on how all that comes together, it could be uh, for an interesting week uh, next week. Uh, We'll have to kind of stay tuned and see what the models are doing. Um, what, What have you seen so far for next week? What are you interested in? I'm kind of interested in this big temperature swing that's going to be going on in the Northern Plains. And I don't know how many people are listening to this from South Dakota, North Dakota, Montana, Western Minnesota, but it's going to be a very, very sharp, you know, change in temperature because the next few days it gets really, really cold. High temperatures only in the twenties. And then this is the thing that I like about spring, you know, can I just, have I told you how much I love this time of year? Like seriously, when I go outside and I see yellow all over everything, I'm, I'm happy. Like it makes me so happy, Linda, because you can smell everything is blooming. It's also severe weather season, which is my favorite kind it's of your weather. Favorite, Ari. Yeah. Um, it gets warmer. I hate when it's cold. That's my absolute yeah, favorite. So, you know, I also tend to, I just tend to appreciate it when you see these typical spring things, like even if it's in a di- different part of the country where we get these really sharp cold fronts, you know, it'll be like 70 one day and 40 the next day. And that's kind of the opposite of what's going to happen in the North. By the time we get to early on in the week, uh, next week, it gets significantly warmer. It'll be like 30 degrees below average and then like 15 degrees above average. So, you know, let's say a uh, random spot in South Dakota, you guys will have highs in the twenties on Thursday. And then we get to like Monday, Tuesday, and your highs will be in the fifties, maybe even sixties. So yeah, not too see, shabby. That's the beauty of spring and even fall, those big changes. So if you're not happy with your current weather, you just have to wait a little while and you're more than likely to see a change. So that's kind of uh, kind of something to look forward to, you know, as we slowly, st- and of course in the spring, I prefer the spring as it slowly gets warmer. So you can say goodbye to those winter coats, hopefully uh, sooner rather than later, at least in my, for me anyway. Yes, exactly. Okay. Now. We're going to pivot really quickly. Watch. See, this is going to be a sharp change, much like a cold front in the spring. We're going to we're going to switch to Ooh, how is that for a transition? We're going to we're going to switch into questions from Twitter. I posted this exact thing on Twitter about 1 hour ago, all in caps. I said, "Ask me anything about the weather now" with no punctuation. And I was curious <laughs> to see what questions or what responses I would get to that. Okay. Here's one for you from Joe, my buddy. He messages me on Facebook sometimes. We have little chats. He says, uh, why is Florida more susceptible to lightning than other states in the U.S.? These are all going to be oh. questions you have to answer, by the way, because I don't know the answer to any of them. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Oh, you know the, I know you know the answer to that one since you like severe oh, weather. I want to hear you say it. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I, Florida is one of those interesting uh, areas because it has water on both sides of it, the peninsula there. So it's and it's warm water and you have typically warmer air and plenty of moisture. So you have many of the ingredients that are right there uh, ready to uh, allow a few thunderstorms to develop. And then plus, with those coasts, you end up with the sea breeze. And when that sea breeze comes in, uh, you end up with those thunderstorms as you head a little bit inland. So you end up with an active thunderstorm pattern very often in Florida compared to, you know, many other places of the country where, you know, the air tends to be a little bit drier and the the setup is just not as ideal for Florida. So they typically see more lightning. And uh, so they need to be careful too, because they're also one of the leading uh, leaders in the uh, lightning deaths as well. So it's important to remember your lightning safety as we head through spring and into the summer. Okay, let me just add a little something to that. And I totally agree with everything she just said. I'll also just say in general, the closer you are to the equator, the more lightning you're going to see. I think that's just kind of kind of a big thing. There's this thing called the intertropical convergence zone, which is basically like right around the equator. And it's just where thunderstorms just are constantly going around the middle you know, kind of, kind of the, the circumference of the earth, I should say around, around the equator. Now, Florida is pretty far from the equator, but it's closer to the equator than say Kentucky or Illinois or Iowa. And when you look at some of the spots on the planet that see the most lightning, you'll see places like central Africa, parts of Brazil, Venezuela, parts of South Africa, out in parts of Indonesia, they've got tremendous amounts of lightning. These are all places that are like right Uh, really close to the equator. So you get deeper into the tropics, you get more thunderstorms, you get more lightning. It's not really, not really rocket science, but that is definitely why you get a lot more lightning in Florida. All right, Linda, we'll give you this one first and I'll have to answer it too. This one's from Sierra. What is your favorite cloud and form of precipitation? Oh, that's, that's an interesting one. Yeah, it is. I would, I would say my favorite clouds are probably just your generic cumulus clouds uh, because, Ooh. you know, a lot of times, you, you know, I remember as a little kid lying down in the grass and kind of looking at the clouds and trying to, you know, see if you can see any cool images like, you know, that one looks like a dog or, you know, that one looks like a robot, that sort of thing. So those are always kind of more fun as long as, you know, they're your friendly cumulus and not your uh, cumulonimbus type of uh clouds there. Um, I'm going to go opposite, Linda. Really? I'm going to go opposite. Yeah. I mean, regular cumulus means it's going to be a boring weather day. Like you look up in the sky and it's like, (laughs) I want some action to happen. So I like a good cumulonimbus cloud. Um, Okay. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, just the idea that you could see some hail drop, you know, maybe we could get some pretty strong wind gusts. I Look, I understand that this stuff, it, it, it causes a lot of uh, headache and in some cases heartache for people. But, you know, I look at it kind of unapologetically. I like severe weather. I can't help it. And I think people that do heart surgery, they like doing heart surgery. Like no matter what, they're going to be people that need heart surgery. And no matter what, they're going to be tornadoes. I just enjoy covering severe weather. Absolutely. No, I totally, I totally get that. Did we get our favorite kind of precip? What's your favorite oh, kind of precip? Oh, so favorite kind of precip, I guess I'd have to go with snow. I would, I, I, it's just something just peaceful about, you know, some fresh new snow falling down. Like it's just, and then it's, yeah, I'd have to go with snow. How about you, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with hail because hail. for some reason I seem to miss out on all the hail storms. Like mm. I'll, I've been in plenty of storms with strong wind. I've seen tornadoes, but I just haven't seen that much hail in person and I get a huge kick out of it. And anytime I get like pea-sized hail, um, I go out there and I, I like gather it up and put it in the freezer <laughs> to oh, kind that's of like awesome. examine it. 
Oh, oh I love sometimes that. you can you can actually kind of like cut them cut them in half, and you'll see little grains of whatever the cloud condensation nuclei was. Right, uh, right. Yeah. No, that is cool. I will <laughs> say the first time I saw Hill, I was in my 20s and I was like fascinated by it. Like I still remember to this day I was driving and I just was so excited because I had never actually seen hail falling before. And so you're uh, you're absolutely right. That is kind of a cool experience, especially if you don't see it all the time. As long as it's not like the giant hail that's going to damage, you know, car, my car, I, I, I would prefer not to giant hail is not as that. fun like i'm no. talking like up to quarter sized <laughs> hail because the thing with yes. quarter sized hail is like it falls and there's a lot of it everywhere and it makes a lot of noise and it's kind of cool to watch the thing with the softball sized hail is that there's like one that falls every 20 seconds or something so you're just totally taking a huge chance walking out yeah you know, not saying you should be walking outside of their softball sized hail falling but it's just like you see these bombs <laughs> dropping it's like getting mortar dropped on you in world war one or something it's like it's ridiculous right yeah i'll, I'll take a pass on that <laughs> yeah all right here's a really good question from bama muscle 63 um has the shutdown of travel had an effect on modeling data so far oh that's a really good question i think it has hasn't it I think from what I've heard and seen, it has had a, at least a slight effect. Um, I'm not sure we know the, the extent of it yet, but uh, with if that is definitely a concern um, that some of our colleagues have uh, written about uh, with the lack of that data from the airplanes, which I don't know if a lot of people even realize that we do get a lot of that data that goes into the models uh, from airplanes, which is kind of cool when you think about you know having all those extra data, data sets. Yeah, it is. And this is this is what people a lot of people don't understand about forecast models. It's not just a computer model that we just run. Like there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, right? So mm -hmm. basically, the more information you put into the initial conditions that a forecast model is going to run off of, you want to basically before you run a forecast model, you want to get as close to what is actually happening as the input into the beginning of that forecast model when it starts to run. So for instance, we've got all these weather stations that the National Weather Service has and all mm -hmm. of the actual observations that those stations make will get plugged into a forecast model. If the forecast model is going to run at eight, we'll take the, you know, whatever the initial conditions are at 730 everywhere across the nation or across the world, depending on what the forecast model is. And we plug that in. We also have a bunch of what not water balloons. That would be something else, huh? <laughs> that, um, yeah. Weather balloons. balloons. They're filled with helium, <laughs> I believe, not, not water. But we send those up and they take all these observations, actual real observations of what the weather conditions are in the sky. All that stuff gets plugged into forecast models also. And to be completely honest, I mean, I don't know too much about how much information we're taking from things like, you know, people's phones, uh, the weather conditions that planes are recording. But apparently, you know, based on some of this literature that Linda was just talking about, and I've seen some of it too, I haven't really dug into it too much, but, you know, with less flights being taken, if they are using some of that weather observation data from the planes, that would be putting less good stuff into the initialization of a model and you'd end right. up with, you know cruddier output, I suppose, right? Right, right. Unfortunately, fortunately, there are plenty of other data points that we do have in the models. And then we, of course, that's only just a piece of forecasting, because then we have actual meteorologists that then actually look at the models and make the forecast. So hopefully, the whatever missing data that we do have is that that effect will be minimized 
hopefully. I would I would also say to Linda and tell me what you think about this because I'm just saying like as a meteorologist, you know, you look at forecast models every day and you tend to kind of notice when something is a little off, right? Yes. I have yeah. not noticed that anything seems off to me or things are like way less accurate than yeah. usual. If 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 something is going on, I don't think it's made that big of a difference. I would agree with you there. Nothing has, you know, really jumped out at me that, hey, there's something really funny with this, but, uh, and hopefully that will stay the case. Okay, here we go. Last question from Timothy. Favorite mode of severe weather. What's your favorite mode of severe weather? <laughs> Ooh, favorite mode of severe weather. Um, I guess, I guess I would have to go back to the hail, mainly because it's something that I have only seen a handful of times. So granted, I've never actually seen a tornado either, but I'm not really um, interested in seeing one coming towards my home. So I would have to say, I think hail is kind of neat. And I think it's kind of underrated in many, uh, in many respects too. I don't think it gets all the attention that the tornadoes do because, you know, tornadoes are a lot more photogenic and uh, attention grabbing. What, do you, what about you, Ari? I don't know. I really like them all. You know, I talked about yeah. how much I like hail <laughs> earlier because I don't get to see it that often. And I'll tell you, even if I'm just sitting and, and watching a little uh, pop-up thunderstorm in the summer in Georgia, if it drops a little downburst that I get to see a 50 mile per hour wind gust in my backyard, I think that's mm. really cool. Like I, and I really get a kick out of it. doesn't make you nervous time. with all your trees? Well, I... It, it would have, but like when I moved into the house over the over the first year that I lived here, I, I cut down a lot of the questionable ones, the ones that were, you know, leaning the wrong way oh, or had smart. little yeah. little knot that were no good. I mean, yeah, it was uh, it was quite a project, but I feel a lot better. Okay, let me see. Hold on a second. Uh, okay, I think that's about all we got. What else you got for me, Linda? Weather or non-weather related? If you if you, this is a airing of grievances. Okay, so if you have any problems with me, just right now is the time. Oh, no, I don't have any problems with you, Ari. Right, I, 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 no, no, none at all. I can't think of any complaints. <laughs> all right, well, this is the first of hopefully many podcasts that Linda and I will be doing. Uh, you can find this on all of those spots that you get podcasts. I use Pocket Cast personally. I use Android. I've heard of this thing called Stitcher. I don't know what it is, but I think a lot of people use it for podcasts. And, uh, you know, good rating is always appreciated if you like us. And if you don't like us, that's okay. You don't have to give us a good rating. Special thanks to Jim, the producer. Greg, who's listening in right now. He's the executive producer. And Linda, thanks for taking a few minutes out of your day to hang out with me and chat with me. Oh, no, this was a pleasure. Thank you, Ari. All right, we'll see you guys back here next time. Thank you.